Hey guys, it's Morgan. Oh my gosh, I swear the guests have been insane on Survivor's podcast lately. I cannot believe that we have interviewed these amazing people and now we have another amazing guest today, Congresswoman Victoria Sparts. You guys, she's so humble, so dedicated to her public service that most people don't even know about her. She's not an AOC. Let's just put it like that. She's not a Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who must take national fame for doing nothing other than being young and loud. This woman is so dedicated to her public service, is so principled and so respectable and inspiring. And, and she, again, took time to talk to us. So we, we got to interview Congresswoman Victoria Sparts, and I just want to read her bio for you quick before we bring her on in. Congresswoman Victoria Sparts immigrated to the United States in 2000 after meeting her husband, Jason, a born and raised Hoosier, on a train in Europe. She became a U.S. citizen and worked her way up from being a bank teller to being a CPA, finance executive, successful business owner, and Indiana state senator. Growing up in Ukraine molded her conservative political philosophy that limited government is always better, and financial and healthcare decisions should be made by individuals in the free market, not bureaucrats and special interests. Rep Sparts worked in the big four public accounting firms for Fortune 500 companies, taught as an adjunct faculty member at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business, and served as the CFO at the Indiana Attorney General's office. She also started several businesses in financial consulting, farming, and real estate. Rep Sparts earned a Bachelor of International Economics and Master of Business Administration from the National University of Economics in Ukraine, as well as a Master of Professional Accountancy from the Indiana University Kelly School of Business in Indianapolis. She also completed the Harvard Business School Executive Education Program on Healthcare. She currently serves on the U.S. House of Representatives Judiciary and Education and Labor Committees. Rep Sparts and her husband Jason reside in Noblesville with their two daughters. So this woman is very, very inspiring to me, particularly, and I know she's going to be inspiring to you, grew up in Ukraine, communist Ukraine, dealing with the USSR. And then when she was a teenager, the USSR fell and the world completely changed for her. Let's just say that. And now she is, she's immigrated to America became very successful in business, very successful in her private work as a private citizen, and decided to become a public servant because she believes in the values of America and in freedom in general. So let's bring her in. And and again, you guys, this is a really big deal that she gave us this time. So I hope you listen and, and enjoy and, and learn a lot from what she has to say. All right. How about we just get started with uh, telling us a little bit about your childhood and, and what country you came from and what it was like growing up there? Uh, well, I was born, it's now Ukraine, but it actually was a Soviet Republic of Ukraine, part of USSR. And as a lot of you probably know that USSR been building socialism for 70 years and eventually did run out of money and fail. And it fell in 91 when I was a teenager, but I grew up on the Soviet propaganda of uh, big government and experience what socialism is. And a lot of people probably don't realize, but Soviet Union were building communism. Actually, socialism 
uh, they, you know, they actually socialism at the beginning stage, but when you, uh, you know, have this, uh, you know, apex of socialism that's called communism. So they actually did, they go into it, but they fell apart for for right reasons, right? Uh, but it is suppression. It is a totalitarian regime. Every time you are trying to establish a system where government is going to make decisions for the people, it creates limited resources, it creates rationing, it creates shortages of food and supplies, it creates perverse incentive to have less productivity. And Karl Marx said that, you know, someday we'll leave with people work as much as they want and uh, get as much as they want. Well, it sounds probably pretty utopian because a lot of jobs are pretty hard, but they become us, make us successful. So, but when Soviet Union fell apart uh, in the 90s, it was a very interesting times. It was very turbulent, a lot of crimes, you know, a lot of drama, but it also was a time where the freedom movement was probably very powerful you know so when i went to college in the 90s you know i went to school of economics and half of my academia still was pro-socialism and communism half was free enterprise smith freedom hayek you know i we had this debate of ideas and ideals right and it's a great debate for a young person because it energizes you with the value of freedom so i learned about the united states of america from alexis de Tocqueville, and uh, you know and founding fathers so i probably had very uh in some ways a young person naive but very kind of this inspirational view we are, we are the country the republic of the freedoms and as a human being that's where you can succeed and it is true we still are no thank you i when we interview survivors we we often notice this trend of when they were a child they didn't exactly know what was going on but they they heard the stressful conversations of their parents they saw some of the impacts on their society and and they felt the the hunger and some of the more basic necessities that they were lacking did you have a moment that you can remember where, where you were coming of age and you started to realize the situation that you and your family and your country was in well i i you know it's, you know, you, you cannot talk too much in countries like that, but people are not that dumb, right? You understand when you don't have freedoms. You understand, you know, that, you know, I had to be baptized uh, secretly because my grandma was very religious, but you couldn't go to church. So we would pray in the darkness with grandma, but she wanted to make sure that I pray every night, but you know, so you, you know that stupid, you understand that, right? You might not be able to see the other side what the difference, but you understand it's something wrong when you cannot express your views freely, where you're afraid if you say something the government doesn't like, you know, they can send you to Siberia or they can come after your family. My grandfather's family, they were farmers and during Stalin times, all of his family, was sent to the steeps, like southern region of Ukraine, where a lot of Ukrainians, you know, just kind of to suppress that they were kind of somewhat more freedom loving from the Soviet Union. They destroyed millions of Ukrainians with hunger. They took all of the bread and took land from farmers and sent their large families. And my grandpa, when he came back, 
you know, to uh, the area where I was from, you know, he had so many potato peels <laughs> that he almost died. He was so hungry and his mom was pregnant with a child who died. So I think, you know, this stories you hear is that, so you, and so my grandpa never wanted to join the communist party and he never, <laughs> you know, and it actually, they punished him, you know, they would never advance you in a job or anywhere else if you don't join communist party. So I experienced and I knew about things like that when I was a child, I see what it was. You might not see the difference, you know, and you see the difference between people on top have access. It's a known thing to have access to more elite food, elite, you know, you know, clothes and go to the special, they call it dacha special vacations. You know, people knew about that. It's not the equality. They talk about it. Socialism create political elites, ruling class on top, and then everyone else equally poor equality and misery. That's what it does. Okay. And so then as you came of age and you're pretty aware of the fact that joining the communist party is really the only way to succeed or get that special treatment, were you considering joining this, the communist party or was your family very against it, but privately, or how'd you go about maneuvering your visions for your life as a young person? Well, I was 13 when the Soviet Union fell apart, so I didn't have to be in the front making that decision like me. But we went through all of that. You have to be like a pioneer. It was mandatory. Everyone had to go through all of this, you know, elementary levels of building to how you can be a good socialist and communist. So, you know, all that brainwashing. So I experienced that, but I didn't have to be in front of that decisions. And some people made some practical decisions, you know, because they knew that the only way how they can get a job, but they were not necessarily promoting communist propaganda. Not everyone was, because there was always was this, workers and business side of people that belong to the party and then was really people on the propaganda that enforce propaganda and kind of force that you know socialist agenda so that was a totally kind of different even in any organization that would have people that just doing the work you know and you know pretty much everyone who's on top would have to belong to some you know professionals to the party but then they would within the organization they would have actual apparatus of communist party ingrained would enforce these rules as so there is always a difference so it wasn't really for most people they were not really living and breathing that party they just were afraid to stand up and say something so they would use surveillance and political machine you know there to make sure they collect information that's why when we look at this collection of information resemblance what they did kgb and political machine you know here reminds me of what's happening in Soviet Union, they collect information on people and on your family, what you do and everything else. And if you move a little bit not within the, you know, the parameters they assigned to you, you can be, you know, put in jail, uh, you can be considered to be mentally sick, they'll put you in a mental health facility, or if they cannot figure out they would use bandits, you know, uh, against you too. So they use all of the tools to suppress. Okay. And now speaking of the fact that what's happening here is reminding you of back then, can we transition into how did you go? Were you 22 when you came to America? I'm 21. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm 24 now. I, I can't imagine. Um, what was that like? And what made you make that decision to come to the United States? And, and did you have any goals for yourself as a young 20 something coming to a new country after growing up in communism? Well, I think, you know, any experience, you know, makes it, you know, 
different observers, right? Because you have personal experience. So when I came here, when I was 21, I actually met my husband on the train in Europe as I was in college. We got engaged, you know, after college and I moved here. I had one suitcase which was lost in New York when I was, you know, changing the planes. And when I came to Chicago, I was given uh, the address from my address book where to send a suitcase. And I realized that I left it in New York airport. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even have an address. And that was in 2000. We didn't have cell phones, all the different things. I said, if my, you know, husband, Nafi and Ted at that time doesn't meet me, I don't even know, I don't know one person. I don't even know where to go and what to do. Well, he met me in the rest of history, but, but it is very, you know, but you have to be a little bit um, adventurous and crazy to cross the ocean with suitcase and come to a new country. But I always, you know, I grew up where when Soviet Union fell apart, I, you know, I grew up in these ideas and ideals of energizing and maybe idealistic about what the freedoms are and how important to protect freedoms. So it made me value these freedoms much more because I didn't experience them and I understood how important they are and how much success we can attribute. The only difference between people in our country and any other country in the world we have the most freedoms to succeed. There is no difference. People are the same, with everywhere the same. It's you have a system where you as an individual can pursue your happiness in whichever way you want. And we're all different and no one tells us what to do. There is no, there is no one superior on top because we are not. Politicians are, by far a lot of them, you wouldn't pay 10 bucks an hour. Not just, you know, <laughs> you know, tell them they're somehow better than you are because they're not. So you have like, you know, that value. And it's like, you know, they have a story of a fraud boiling in the water right and then you know like you hit up the frog and frog doesn't realize right not having freedoms this of you have someone who came from a different environment and you throw the frog in the boiling water and I'm like oh my gosh there are a lot of things that are happening in the country that remind me what the things that I grew up with under totalitarian regime and big government suppressing individuals so that made me as a young person and the mother of young children, you know, thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, this is not what really this country should be about. That's not what I learned in Alexis de Tocqueville and some founding fathers. We have to do something about it. And when mothers get pissed off, you know, they just get up and do things for our children and our future country. So that's my modern politics. Well, I, I love that story. I know all the girls on my team, we're an all-female team pretty much. We really admire you and we look up to you because you're such a strong role model with your home life, your family, promoting those values and having daughters and, and, and children and a great husband. So we admire you for that. And now you're a member of Congress. So, so can you walk us through how you reached your points of success in America and what you're doing now as a member of Congress to further those values and to really share your experiences by serving the public? When people ask, you know, how do you, what a success is, you know, I'll tell you, your determination and hard work in the two key ingredients to success in life. If you really have a goal and vision and persistent and you're willing to work hard for it, you might not get it right away. We all have up and downs. You might not get it at 100% and that's okay. But if you put your, you know, your target high enough, 
and you push yourself and you're willing to dedicate time and energy to it, you will achieve your goals. And it's like in everything else, if you become passionate about it, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to challenge the status quo. Don't be afraid, you know, to, you know, to get outside of your comfort zone and the side of, of the box. You know, I, I, I think a lot of times, if you think about it, I remember myself, right? I speak with an accent. I, I kind of make a joke, my Yankee accent, because when I did audits, you know, I used to audit publicly traded companies around the country. And then the Tennessee was in McDonald's drive-thru. And usually when you go drive-thru, people have a hard time understanding you. So it's like, oh my gosh. But then I pull up to the drive-thru and the girl is like, wow, you sound like you're having an accent. You must be a Yankee. So I felt so American that she called me a Yankee. But I guess <laughs> I am. <laughs> you know? So I was like, I guess in the Tennessee, I'm a Yankee. You know, but I think it's something, you know, if you think about it, you know, that was not very comfortable for me speaking in the, with an accent, go like on radio, TV, on the phone. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's hard, like, you know, to understand someone, right? So I'm like, oh my gosh, people will not understand what I say. People like, you know, I, you know, you, you kind of uncomfortable, but you overcome this and you, and a lot of people, when they see that you working hard and you really sincere and care, people will step up and help you out. You will have challenges, you know, you'll have some people, but that's okay. Challenges make it strong and not be afraid to go through challenges because they make you tougher and they make you learn things. And, and I think that's something a lot of time women, you know, are not as ambitious in some way, especially in politics to say, you know what, I can bring value too. I can be at the table to have a conversation because the issues that politicians make decisions affect our future, our life, my children, their families, they affect so much and we bring a different perspective. So I think it's collaboration between men and women. And that's why families are strong when you have a husband and wife and they make families stronger because we bring different strengths to the table. And I think in politics, having more females, I think it's very healthy you know, in a productive way. So I'm, I'm glad to see to have more involved and, and we have a very, you know, much more challenges to do. But, I, but that is something that I would encourage a lot of young women to, to be involved, but be informed, don't be brainwashed and all this because sometimes we get too sensitive to issues. Just have like a cool mind, just think about it, you know, be pragmatic, be proactive, but also like just common sense, not just say, oh my gosh, they have all this issue and that they appeal to emotions. So just be, think about it. Don't let emotions control you because if men, a lot of time, they're not, you know, as emotionally controlled. Although I was looking at something that they had a study that they cry more than women, which was interesting. I just saw it on Fox News. Mm, interesting. Was, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's true or not. I just saw that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That is. Uh, well, I think your advice, it not only plays well for young women, but a lot of young men need to hear that same uh, concept of just determination and fortitude and resilience to get through the hard times and to push forward. And I love your message of people will join you if they believe in, in what you're doing. Uh, I know you're a very busy woman, very busy Congresswoman, and we really appreciate your time. Can you maybe finish us, uh, finish this great interview with explaining your thoughts on 
seeing the numbers about Gen Z and millennials specifically. We're embracing force over choice. We're embracing socialism and communism and authoritarianism. Some of the more recent numbers include like 70% of young Americans would select a socialist leader over a capitalist leader if given the option. 58% would choose socialism over capitalism. And those numbers were right before COVID hit. So I'm interested in seeing what the numbers are going to be post-COVID, but that alone is very concerning that they're over 50%. It's pretty wild. So what are your thoughts on that after having grown up under communism? Well, I think it's interesting because you mentioned the pandemic and people had some kind of a glimpse of socialism, right? And I think mm -hmm. people start realizing maybe that's not what really these people are selling to us because they try to sell socialism and there's something so great and people have all of these utopian things, you know, that we're all going to be, you know, like Karl Marx said, you know, work as much as we want and, you know, get as much as you want, you know, and it sounds all great, but I don't think, you know, it, it actually can exist and it doesn't exist. You know, there are a lot of jobs, you know, no one is going to take, you know, like, you know, we're doing farming and fixing the broken combine and they have grease and diesel fluid, fluid flight, you know, go coming down on you and doing all these different things but is there rewarding because at the end you create value and do some things so there are some hard jobs but very rewarding too so i think young people just been brainwashed and that you know they the totalitarian regime and control was sold like a freedom and i think we need to do a better job as republicans you know, to talk about what freedom is and rebranding our, because, you know, this is all we have, you know, there is nothing else people have except freedom. And it's cool to fight for freedom. It's cool to protect the freedoms. It's cool to be the country where you individual have the most freedoms, not to have the country of elites on oligarchs and oligopolies running the country. You know, I don't think young people even understand what socialism is, because if I want to force you to do something, if I want to create equality of outcomes, not everyone wants to be a politician. Not everyone has the same passions. We compete for different things, which is great. If we will be competing for the same things, it would be pretty tough. We all have different ideas and different things that makes us happy. But no one has the right to decide you know, how, what should make you happy. So when we have an environment where I am as a politician decide what is good for you, regardless how you feel, if you want, well, we just check it out. You are going to be a plumber. You are going to be a doctor. You are going to be living here. You're going to be doing this. You're going to eat in this food. You're going to eat in this food. You're going to say this and you're not allowed to say this, right? We, we, we created this dictatorship of opinions, of views. And that's what this, this government is creating right now you know when we create this environment to force you i think human beings are still born to be free internally you know they have god-given rights you know and no government should ever give them the right the government should be protecting the rights but human beings are born that way when they start feeling and understanding that you know, the only way to force it, you have to use totalitarian powers. And you can call it however you want, but you have to suppress people. And when you start seeing that, you know, and young people start paying, you know, attention and actually feel the pain, unfortunately, you know, then they'll start waking up. So hopefully, we don't have to go through the pain, or at least not much pain, because a lot of young people are dying around the world to get freedoms back 
and it is very difficult. Look at what's happened in countries like Cuba or even country like Russia that went back into dictatorship. Right? It's very difficult. Or countries like Ukraine, they've been independent for 30 years. They still cannot, they had several revolutions for freedom and still cannot get it back. It's very hard to gain it back and build a free society back. And it takes a lot of bloodshed and a lot of suffering. So we don't want to go there. So you and your young people should be the first fighters for freedom and say, what in the hell are you doing with my future? Why are you destroying this great country for me? Because if you think about it, you know, how many people try to come into this country, even illegally crossing the border? If we're such a bad country, why do we have all these people dreaming to be in America? How powerful is to have a US passport and be called America? Because your country cares about you. You mean something as an individual. You're just not a statistic of collective group, you know, who cares about it. It's like all this, you know, in socialist country, ever since, even like the war, it's all statistic how many people killed, individual life don't matter, you know, so young people will start realizing, but we need to communicate and engage what we stand for and how to protect liberties and fight for these liberties and energize young generations because unfortunately they've been brainwashed, they've been weakened. We weaken our young people. And I can see that with education and not giving them fundamental skills for resiliency and survival and have them lifelong learning skills that helps them to succeed because the world now where you will have this an average 15 jobs during your life. So you will constantly have to learn new skills, but you have to have these fundamentals. Only 30% of kids get fundamentals anymore from school. So it weakens the people. You take the you know, independence from them. You, you, you even like, look at this, like on the playground, they were even trying to do that. Like now the playground is so safe that you don't cut your finger, right? So you're afraid to take risks and you cut your finger, you learn, right? So it's okay. So we have to empower young people to strengthen them because when they're weaker it's much easier to control so i have to we have to think in a power in because you're going to be our freedom fighters in the future so it's my job you know my job as a mother as a congresswoman as you know someone who represents you know a lot of people to work on strengthening our young people and engage with them and have a discussion and debate and communicate better what we're about. And then, you know, actually legislate and do what we say, not and put our money where our mouth is, not just talk about stuff, but actually get it done and deliver these good policies that have good opportunities, freedoms and future, good jobs and good growth for your families, great education, public safety, and have this wealth generation for you as young people and for future generations because it's getting harder and harder when you have too much government. Absolutely. Well, I'm a little biased, but I completely agree. And, and we just are very appreciative that you would share that insight with us. And thank you for the work that you do on our behalf. Uh, we will share the links to so that all of our listeners can start following you and get connected with you. And we just really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing well, thank this. Thank you. Thank you. And if you ever want to have debate Keynes versus Hayek, we can do it. We can just do it in some college campuses. Debate is good, even if we disagree, or we can have Marx versus Hyde, whatever. You oh, know, we'll have to set something up. <laughs> set it up and engage with actually debate and discussion because I truly believe if we start debating, a lot of young people will realize that they're not socialists. So oh, for sure. No, that's exciting. I'll be in touch with your team on that one because I've got some ideas. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank for you. Having. Have a nice day.